Welcome to the sermons and teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We hope the message you're about to listen to will edify you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. Yeah, so we started something and last time we met and we started discussing the results of the good news. You know, we've taught, you know, the good news. We started from the sin problem. We went to, you know, um, the Christos, the promise of the Messiah. Then we went to the passions of the Christ. And after discussing the passions of the Christ, we discussed gospel semantics. We discussed how, you know, it's important to know how salvation comes. We discussed that salvation is not morality. Salvation is not repentance, you know. And I gave you a proper definition of what the gospel is. And after that, we also... Discussed quite a number of things. And then after that, we decided to discuss the results. And last week, our topic, you know, in the Good News 5 was about the result of salvation. We started there and we spoke about quite a number of things. And we're going to go further today. Today's topic is very important. It's like a treasure. Say like a treasure. All right. So we ended last week's teaching reading from the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 to 18. You know, we started to discuss the fruits, the results of your salvation. You know, even though good works is not a prerequisite to salvation, we should be able to see your good works and identify that you are a believer. Because as a believer, there are fruits of your salvation. We have to see the results. And it's important. And Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it's a long read, but I just want you to follow me. It says, if ye be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. He says, set your affection, set your desires on things above and not things on the earth. He says, for ye are dead and your life is what? Is hid with Christ in God. One important concept, I didn't plan to say this, but one important concept in salvation is the concept of baptism. And not many people really understand what baptism is. I taught you about revelation knowledge. When you look at all that Jesus did, that he pleased God to bruise Jesus, you know, so that he would become a substitute for your sin. It's ordinary information. But when you realize that everything God did in Christ, he did in you also, it becomes revelation. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because the gospel only makes sense in the light of what it does for you. God had a plan. That he would accept the death of Jesus as propitiation, as payment for your sin. And he would give you eternal life just because you believed. Are you getting what I'm saying? And baptism is the spiritual operation by which you become a, a partaker of all that Jesus did. You have to understand that in the gospel, who died? Jesus. How then do you say you are dead with him? It is by that spiritual operation called baptism. And that's why in our benediction, when we say we are complete in Christ Jesus, we say in his death we died. Because, because we, are, we are baptized with Christ. When Jesus died, it was recorded that we all died. When he was buried and when he rose up again, we rose with him into the newness of life. So now we are dead to sin and we are alive with Christ Jesus. Are you getting what I'm saying? This is important. It says, set your affections on things above and not on things on, of, on the earth. Verse 3 says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. It says, When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Then verse 5 goes ahead to give you a very important instruction. 
It says, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, covetousness, which is idolatry. So now, in the last teaching, we started talking about the fact that after preaching the gospel, we see a pattern in Paul's writing where he then encourages them to live right. Why? Because in salvation, we see a miracle of changed desires. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so after uh, telling them about identifying, telling them about identification, who they are in Christ Jesus, he goes ahead always to instruct them that we must then see the result of your salvation. He says, mortify therefore your members. The word mortify there is to kill. So put into subjection. Before now, you were taken according to the lust of your flesh. He says, but now you have something. It's something different. Salvation brings you to a place where you can now mortify. Now you have power. Are you getting what I'm saying? You can mortify. In verse 7, it says, in which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. It says, but now you also put off. The word shows that you have power over it now. Put off these things. Anger, wrath, malice blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. So you're a new man now. It says you have put on the new man, which is what? Renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. So when sin came, you lost that standing. But now that salvation is here, because of the good news which you've learned, There is something different for you. You are now made into the image of the perfect God. Are you guys following me? It says in verse 11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew. So if you continue reading, you see him give certain instructions. And so from understanding the gospel and all I've taught you about who Christ is, there are results that must be birthed in you. There are fruits that we must see. That yes, you are saved. There are fruits. It has to be evident. And we should be able to tell that you are a believer from the way you live your life. That idea that in salvation, there is no good work is wrong. Because good works, it wasn't cancelled. Rather, it was redirected. Did you hear what I said? Good works were not cancelled. Rather, they were redirected. That is, it would not take your works to get you saved. But now that you are saved, you will do good works. It's a result of your salvation. And we read two texts to you last week. I read two texts to you, you know, from the Old Testament that prophesied of what will happen to the believer, to the believer. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 31 to 34. Let's open our Bibles there. Another person should open Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26. So two people will read for me. Someone should open, Adese open to Jeremiah 31, 31. Salome open to Ezekiel 36, 26. All right, Adese, can you read for us very quickly? And I want you all to pay attention to what she's reading. Now, this is a prophecy about what's going to happen to the believers after Christ comes. All right, go ahead and read.
So this is very important. He says, I would make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And you're thinking new covenant. If the old covenant had a lot of laws, maybe the new covenant is going to have more law, maybe upgraded. Before I was saying, thou shalt not do this. Maybe now just say, thou shalt not open your eyes. It's like, you're like, what else is going to be the new law? What's going to be the new covenant? And he says, rather than them following laws, I would write my laws in their hearts. He says, there will be no time where any man will teach his, his neighbor, but rather everybody would know me from the least to the greatest. So this is very important. The solution to the sin problem in salvation made it possible that you are not just trying to follow some set of regulations, but now your heart is changed such that you know the will of God. Your desires are changed. Are you following me? This is important. You have to see how important this is. This was God's solution. Salome, read Ezekiel 36, 26. All right, next verse. Wow. So now he says, what I'm going to do to the guys after Christ comes is I'm going to give them a new heart. I told you a heart surgery happened at salvation. It's important. Salvation is a miracle of changed hearts change desires it says now i will put within you my spirit a new spirit so god's solution was not new regulations his solution was a regulator i get what i'm saying so now you would not live trying to fulfill external laws which were even to expose your sin in the first place but now i'm going to give you my spirit it's going to live within you i'm going to solve the problem i'm going to direct you it says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgment and do them. Listen, the odds were not balanced before. Sin problem made it such that you had a mechanism that would always lead you to sin. There was a propensity that happened because of the first man's sin. But now that problem is solved in the believer. You have to understand. And that's why your results are very important. That problem is solved in the believer. Because now you have the Holy Ghost is a mechanism that would cause you to do good. Do you understand what I'm saying? So God's idea isn't what people would popularly see and say, are you teaching that grace is a license to sin? No, we are not teaching that. We are teaching that God's grace comes with an empowerment to live above sin. Which is what? The Holy Ghost. And so salvation is a miracle. And one of the key characteristics of the man in Christ is delight. What did I call it? Delight. This is very important. The man in Christ has his desires changed completely. And one of the key characteristics of the man in Christ is what? Is delight. Delight. Have you ever loved something so much that even when it's not convenient, you still go ahead to do it? How many of you have had such an experience before? You just like this thing. And it doesn't have to be convenient, even though it will take you some labor you still go ahead. You still go ahead to do that particular thing. Why? Because you like it so much. It's like how things you like so much can command your passion. I get what I'm saying. Take, for example, I have a friend. <laughs> I have a friend. Some of you might know him, Steph. He likes, he likes burger so much. And now this is what happens to him because he likes burger. 
once you're with him and some of you are foodies like that when i mentioned burger like some of you your mind just already went there but that's fine now he likes it so much to the extent that it can change his mood do you get what i'm saying like he can be sad and you can bring burger and like he will get happy some of you know what i'm talking about that something external can control your desires like you used to be sad but if they break something you will smile some of you is money if they fling money in your face like this that's all anything that is wrong with you no matter the sickness i was not feeling well yesterday someone thought that food was going to solve it so the person bought food for me i will not mention the person's name the food helped me small i'm kidding don't worry. <laughs> but there's some of you i mean if just money or anything it will change your passion it would it would change your mood that my friend burger can make him spend all his money so when it's not conf- convenient he will still spend all his money to get it is everybody following me for some people it's video game have you been with someone that's playing maybe fifa before and if you are, if you come too close to the person can hit you and then if they lose the game they'll say it's your fault you are not close to them or you were far away they'll still say can why you stand for that place now why did they do like this <laughs> have you been with people like that if they lose it's your fault or let's talk about people who watch football how many of you love football here okay all right a few people okay that's good so you love football and then how many of you played football as a child i know a lot of guys then maybe see me and tabita weird babes <laughs> play football now did this thing ever happen to you there's this popular injury if you played if you played street football we call it shito i'll explain what it means you were trying to play the ball and you scrape your foot on the floor and this place peels if you like football eh if that thing happens to you you will still play that ball so how can something command your passion so much that your toe literally peels off or your toenail literally removes because you were playing football and you still went back to play the same football are you all right <laughs> are you normal do you know what i'm saying now that's what i'm talking about when i talk about passion you like that thing so much that even with pain you still go ahead to do that particular thing i know i was young that time one boy tied handkerchief on that leg and still went to play football ha a terrorist <laughs> how would you take such pain and still play football this this he has to he has to bust you he has to just blow your mind how passionate people can be about some things but listen if christianity if salvation truly change your desire then you must find yourself delighting in god more than you do all of these things i've mentioned and more that's what delight is what salvation does to a person in changing your desires is that it makes you find joy makes you find delight in god that even when it is hard and painful you still go ahead to serve god and do the things of god are you getting what i'm saying and i like to say this every time some of you feel bad when i say it i know but any other thing that you do so passionately is a witness against you if you cannot love god as passionately are you getting what i'm saying very important all true scriptures love for god and fellowship with god is presented as delightful and so if you're truly saved you have to check your heart you have to check your heart why am i not as interested in this thing am i am i all right <laughs> because the expected result of your salvation 
is bearing fruits of righteousness, is delight in God. The expected fruit of your salvation is what? Delight in God. It's a changed heart. It says, I'll give you a new heart. I'll take away the heart of flesh. Hallelujah. I hope you are following me today. This teaching is very important. Yes, sir. I told you that there are some things that if you don't discuss, you've not fully discussed the gospel. And the results is something you must discuss. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44. Scripture says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field. It says, That which when a man hath found, he hideth for, and for joy thereof, goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Now, a lot of you have read this text, and you probably never thought about it deeply. It says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. It's like a treasure. You know what a treasure is? Something so huge that, that you value so much. It's like a treasure hid in a field. It says, which when a man found, he says, he hideth and for joy goeth and selleth all that he had. So listen, it means that this person values this treasure he found. That every other treasure in his life cannot come close. He goes to sell them. Jesus likens the kingdom of God to a treasure. Is there labor in the kingdom? Yes. But it's delightful labor. Are you with me? Just like football when you get injured. But you still enjoy it. He likens it to that kind of treasure. That your heart delights in. For some of you it's sneakers. You wash sneakers with toothbrush or car with toothbrush. Because you like it so much. You know what I'm talking about, some of you. I might not be mentioning what you like so much that you wash like that, but you can understand. Or sports generally. Some of you are so addicted to, to gym and body that the pain is there. I mean, I just started recently and I had to miss three days because I cannot cope. You want to kill me? I will have to preach to my people. <laughs> you know, God is spiritual exercise, you know, is profitable. Physical is just, you know... Um, Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, uh, gradually, gradually, I'm, I'm going to the gym, everyone. The person, the person that is, that is uh, helping me, I'll call him my coach now. He said, Emoji, you never do two weeks. You don't they miss gym day. I'm like, you know. <laughs> but some of you, the, with the pain, you are still going. With the pain. That's what I'm talking about. Because you like it so much. It can, you know, Think about something that can take your attention so much that you have to balance it. Like, if you if care is not taken, you might not do any other thing that day. I get what I'm saying. Or how meticulous some of you are about some things. K-drama. Hmm. I hope that K is kingdom. Kingdom drama. That's what I think you're writing. It cannot be any other thing. <laughs> it has to be kingdom drama. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's, you just have to think. Like, some people... Some things will just take the attention. How about the things you are meticulous about? Someone say, why did you fold that? Why did you move that handkerchief? It should not be. That's not how I put it. It was at Angunaiti. They're just things you are meticulous about. Because you have delight in those things. And the Bible says, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure. So listen, every other thing that 
that you're supposed to do when you're doing the things you like. It's not like they are not important. I get what I'm saying. Some of you would skip school when you were young for some things. You will miss classes for some things that you like. Are those things important? Yes. But you put a value on that thing more than those other things. I get what I'm saying. And now Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven is more valuable. It's more valuable that you go off and you sell all that you have just for that one thing. God wants you to seek his kingdom like that. Jesus calls it a treasure. Something you regard far greater than every other thing. That you, you have to sell every other thing just for that one thing. Listen, there is there's sacrificial doing, but what I'm talking about is not sacrificial. <laughs> is that even with the pain, it does not look like sacrifice to you. You go ahead with joy. You go ahead with joy. The kingdom of God is one treasure that outweighs all other treasures. And can I tell you something based on everything I've been teaching you since the beginning of this series? If we don't treasure the kingdom of God like this, then there is something wrong. It's either you don't understand what the kingdom is or there is something wrong with your heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? I can even decide and say, maybe you don't understand the gospel. Look at the responses of the people Jesus preached to. God had a perspective that if I love you so much, you would love me much more back. That was his disposition. That he that I love would love me much more. So they brought the woman caught in the act of adultery before him. And they are like, this, this, this. and he said, he that is without sin, be the first to cast a stone. He loved the woman and then after that he said, go and sin no more. Listen, there was no Sabbath school, no foundation school, no discipleship school. He said, go and sin no more. He had to mean that Jesus trusted that his love is enough to change the heart of the woman such that she will love him enough not to continue in sin. That's what we're talking about. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is important. And so the goal is that you would see a revelation of God so deep. That you would desire God earnestly as he should be desired. C.S. Lewis says something. He says, he says, the paradox of Christianity is that when you find God, you begin to seek him. And someone is like, when I find him, I begin to seek him. Have I not found him? But listen, when you find God, your heart much more desires him. You're, you're born again so that you begin to pant after him more. We are seeking not because he is lost, but there is a lot to unravel. And our heart delights in him much, much more. So imagine coming to a place where you are no longer checking time to pray. You are no longer checking time to study. They will even come and tap you that. You have not eaten, no. Some people are laughing because... <laughs> but you have to think about what I'm telling you. This is important. This is the result of your salvation. It's like unto a treasure. You know, I remember I remember yesterday I was having a headache. So I didn't think about it until today. I was having a headache so bad. I was so down. I was so tired. Like, what is this? I, like, I'm not in Nigeria, so it cannot be malaria. No shades to Nigerians, but partially. So I'm not in Nigeria, so it cannot be malaria. So what's going on? <laughs> Usually if I have a headache, I know it's malaria. Mosquitoes are dealt with me in that country. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, so what's going on? Why? And then Simi is like, I should go and sleep. And I had so much to cover that I, I was on the bed and I was still watching church history video. <laughs> it was so bad. 
It was later today I realized that, oh, that's what I was doing. Because I just had so much I wanted to, to grasp from church history at the time. I had some things I was looking for. You have to get to that place. It's like a treasure. Let them look for you and say, oh, we know where he is. He's probably studying or praying. Have you ever bought something that nobody understands why you bought it? But it's valuable to you. That's what we're talking about. It doesn't have to make sense to others, but you put such value on it. Have they told you before, like, why are you, why are you praying? Even your parents that are fervent are telling you why are you praying three hours. Have, you, have they asked you that question before? Why are you praying three hours? Is Jesus not hearing you? Is the value you place. It's a thing of value. There's a way you can worship. Other people will not understand why. Maybe you just get to church. And you just lie down on the floor and start rolling. People are like, are you normal? <laughs> are you normal? <laughs> but it's value. It's your heart. It's your heart. What I'm teaching you will help you so much. This is the kind of expression. When we tell you to pray fervently. And and you see somebody, maybe Alex. He knows the value that he puts here. He knows where his heart is. Listen, the gospel has to change your heart completely. Completely. Or how you take notes. They're like, is he, ah, you are always present for every meeting. It's a sign that you are truly saved. Have you seen that? How many of you have seen my notes before? I take word for word. <laughs> That's how I take notes. Word for word. I'm very... Uh, because it's important. Some of the teachings, that, some of the things I used to build, many of the teachings are, are things I've heard and I documented well. That's how, because I value the words. I value it. If there's, if there's anything, catch me in long hours of teaching. It took me intentional efforts after I got saved to come and come back and understand that worship too is important. So now I can spend longer. Before I say, we they sing, let's go to... <laughs> I had to consciously bring myself back to understanding the place and the importance of worship as well. And when I mean worship, I'm talking about in songs. You see, once you don't do over, over. One day, I remember Chris, I asked Chris to lead prayer. And so, <laughs> that was the first day Chris was leading prayers. And so Chris was leading me, and I was like, and I started doing, oh man, I just texted, I said, man of God, I say you should pray and not sing. I'm kidding. But it took me some time, you know, to intentionally get back to that place where I prioritized, you know, worship as well. But I said all of that to make you understand that you have to prioritize some things. It will show. Don't be nonchalant about the word of God. You have to give it your focus. Give your heart to it. I remember the day at Daisy thought, I was blessed. Why? Because it's the word of God. There is something fundamentally wrong if the word of God is taught and you are nonchalant about it. You have to check your heart. Because there's a changed heart. There's a changed desire in salvation. So you have to check your heart. If the word is taught and it does not bless you, there's some people, they only wait for some particular types of, 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 of teachings before they come around. So what's Mr. Michael teaching today? Oh, like a treasure. All right. Let's rush there. It sounds interesting. How about prayer? Maybe I'm not going to come. 
You have to change your heart. Because the word of God must bless you every time. Every time. You are fervent when you're watching your favorite sports. Then when it comes to Christianity, you're like, my temperament does not allow expression. You have to check your heart. <laughs> you have to check your heart. This is important. Or you're watching a TV program and you're jumping. You know all their names and you don't know the 12 disciples. Check your heart too. <laughs> I'm not serving anybody, but just make sure you're checking your heart. You can name all the Chelsea players. You don't know books of the Bible. Check your heart. <laughs> it's important. Even in the Old Testament, we see the way fellowship is done. It's always been presented to us as something that satisfies the heart. No matter how tired I am, the word of God would always be on my lips. If there's one thing you can catch me doing and I'll not get tired, it's teaching the word of God. You have to delight in God. Say, I delight in God. I delight in doing his will. I delight in his word. I delight in prayer. I delight in fellowship with the saints. This is important. Nothing should move you more than Christ does. Let me tell you something that must happen to you in salvation. As you grow in God, as you gain revelation knowledge, your reaction to things, and I think it just happens. I don't know how many of you can relate to this, but as you grow in God, your reaction to a lot of things, maybe flashy things and things of the world, it just sort of reduces. Like the things that used to get you excited before in the world no longer get you excited as much. You know, it just reduces. And it's not because you are not happy about it. It's just because things like that don't just move you, you know, money, fame, maybe social media. Maybe you used to be someone who was very particular about the kind of post, you know. But now you're just, you don't even have caption except Jesus is Lord or scriptures. You're just like, you know, I, I don't just know. The things that used to move you before, they no longer move you. But now the things of the Spirit move you. Do you know why? It's because your treasure is somewhere else. And if your treasure is somewhere else, then your heart is there. What you regard as a treasure now is where your heart is. Now you have higher and deeper priorities. Many people can testify. I remember people have told me many times, when they tell me certain things, I'm not just excited. I'm just like, alright, that's good. Fine, glory, hallelujah, fine. I'm happy for you that you bought the Benz, but that's good. Let's we'll go out, we'll be fine. But I have higher priorities. I have deeper concerns. If you get me a car, I'm fine. If I don't have the car, I'm still fine. <laughs> Do you understand? If I have all the money in the world, I'm fine. Anyways, there's something I'll use it for. Because I have higher concerns. Do you get what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking about. As you grow in God, your priorities begin to shift. It begins to change. That's why now it won't hurt you as much if you miss a football match. But you'll be so uncomfortable if you miss a fellowship. That has to be your testimony. I'm saying it because I believe it must be your testimony. <laughs> and if it is not, check your heart and make sure that you get to that place. But some of you can relate to what I'm saying. There are days when I had important things to do. There was a day I had a meeting the next day. You know, a, a training, a Bible training the next day. I was not on a week, but I could not still cope. I was. How many of you have noticed that when I tell people that 
that I'm not going to be on a meeting. I'll still join up to two or three times in the middle. You just see me flash out. You see me leave. Because I'm not just comfortable being away from the meeting. I'm not just comfortable. And it's because my heart is changed. This is, this is where I find joy. This is where I find delight. In God. It's delightful. People can't understand it, but it's delightful. It has nothing to do with what, what I can get. It has everything to do with the satisfaction I find in God. Look at how David describes it. Psalm 36 and verse 7. Now, David is a guy in the Old Testament. He didn't even have the Holy Ghost. How much more you? Psalm 36 and verse 7. It says, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wing. Verse 8, it says, They shall be abundantly satisfied. Oh, did you hear that? So, your, your children put their trust under the shadow of your wings. He says they shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. Wow. So he compares your satisfaction. He says in God you will find abundance of satisfaction. So when you fellowship with God, there is satisfaction. Can I tell you something? Maybe some of the things you are looking for in every other thing in the world you find in God is just because you've not given God the focus. You've not spent time in fellowship. There's satisfaction in God. It says, They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. It says, And thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasure. It says, For with, with thee is the fountain of light, and in thy light we shall see light. So listen, in God is the fountain. Of life, the source of life. Have you ever been to a worship session or a prayer time or listen to the word and you just feel satisfied? You just feel full. Like you just feel full. You just feel like what I've been looking for, I found here. It says, For with you is the fountain of life. So I, all I would ever need, I find in you, God. All I would ever need. Someone once said, if a man has everything and does not have Christ, he has nothing. If a man has nothing and he has Christ, he has everything. And if a man has Christ and has everything, he does not have more than the man that has nothing and has Christ. Did you hear what I just said? Very important. If a man has everything and does not have Christ, he has nothing. If he has nothing and has Christ, he has everything. And if a man has Christ and has everything, he does not have more than a man that has nothing and has Christ. Your sense of worth and satisfaction should never be based on material things or temporal things. Judge your worth in Christ. In God. Let's see an example in the world. People were coming to Jesus for bread. They wanted, do you notice that when he, when he told them that, he says, he says, I'm the bread come from heaven. They stopped following him. He lost over 3,000 followers that day. His church reduced. <laughs> let's stop this gospel of, let, let's stop putting out this gospel of, of, of wants and needs. Let's prioritize delight in God over wants and needs. Come to my church. God will make you rich. No. The riches we have here is in your salvation and eternal life. Because yes, you will still face tribulations. But he says, have no fear, I've overcome the world. 
Does God care about your finances? Yes, he does. Are you getting what I'm saying? So people came to him and they said, you know, give us bread. He says, I'm the bread. He believed that salvation will satisfy you. Have you forgotten the woman at the well? He says, this water will make you test again. But if you knew the gift of God, you would ask me for living water that you shall never test again. Do you understand? I have something. What I give you now would only satisfy your flesh. I can give you something that will satisfy you forever. John 6. Go to John 6. I'll read 27, I'll read 34, and I'll read 35. It says, in John 6, 27, it says, Labor not for that meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. He was talking about salvation. For him had God the Father sealed. In verse 34, it says, then said they unto him, Lord, give us this bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. This is satisfaction. God wants our satisfaction to be in him, to come from him. Not just from what he gives. But in him, the Hebrew boys, they said, we believe that God is able to deliver us. And even if he does not, can you have that kind of mindset? It's not just about what God can give. In God's perspective, what you're living on earth here is just a fraction of eternity. He prioritizes eternity. There's a satisfaction he can give you forever. Our delight is in God. And not just what we can receive from God. This is growth. So you have to grow from that place where bad things happen. And you are saying, what did I do wrong to God? I came for fellowship. I gave my time. You have to grow from that. Are you listening to me? Your love for God isn't on what God can give you. It's far deeper than that. Because he has given you all that matters in salvation. And then in giving you the Holy Ghost, he gave you a lot more. He gave you power. He gave you authority. He gave you himself. Are you following me? He gave you himself. You have supernatural leadership by the Spirit. He can lead you. A lot of people, how we begin to know you've grown is from how you respond to certain things. You're going through a challenge, then you stop going to church. Isn't it in church that you, you would find solution in God and you stop coming for fellowship? Do you see that? It's almost like people have it, you know, the wrong way. Because many times the devil will get you in this place where, where you should get the help you need, where you get your satisfaction in God. He would blur that away from you. And then you begin to suffer on your own in silence. Growth in God and understanding of the gospel will make you satisfied in God regardless of your present circumstances. That is growth. The result of the good news which you've heard. Things that are temporal would not shake you as much. You're not really following Jesus until you follow him for nothing else but himself. Are you listening to me? 
Healing is important, but the gospel goes far beyond healing. Jesus healed unbelievers. He healed people who came back to kill him. So listen, if all you came for was healing, it doesn't mean you're saved. But when you get salvation, you hold on to God. We're reading David so you know that if this was David's report, how much more you? Psalm 17 verse 15, he says, As for me, I will behold... I'll take it again, Psalm 17, verse 15, for those who didn't get it. It says, as for me, I would behold thy face in righteousness. It says, I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. So it was beyond food. He was talking about satisfaction in God. Read another Psalm, Psalm 63, verse 4. It says, thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul will be satisfied as, as, as with marrow and fatness. My mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in, night, in the night watches. So when you meditate on God's word, when you praise him, your soul finds satisfaction. Your soul finds satisfaction. This is important. So growth in God, understanding of the gospel... Revelation knowledge would make it such that things that are temporary, things that are temporal would not shake you. When things are not going well, you'll be fine and no one will know. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, it won't shake your joy because your joy is on something eternal, not on something that happens in this world. Your satisfaction is in something eternal and not something in this world that is movable. You see, last year, a month of perfect peace. I was teaching you on perfect peace. In that month, I got a whole lot of rejections. None of you might have known that. But I was fine. Are you listening to me? I was totally fine. I was good. It's okay. God had told me about his plans for me to travel out of the country, do everything. In that month, I got a rejection from the embassy. (laughs) Do you know what I say? Some of you call me and say... Pastor, let me ask God why he told me, calm calm down. Sometimes, learn to calm down. (laughs) Learn to calm down. He says, is God faithful like this? I thought he said he would say and he would do. Now he has said, though, he did not do. If I start to write now, I I calm down. (laughs) You ought to start your own. Just calm down. Listen, let let me make it sweeter. God had told me to quit my job. In expectation that it will come. So he told me to quit my job. And then in my mind, I'm like, eh, since it, since I was gonna get the visa, I'll just quit my job. So I quit my job and then the, the, the visa didn't come. <laughs> and I was like, what's going on, Lord? I was like, how do how do I understand this? I'm not telling you it's not gonna be painful, but it won't move me that I'll say, Oh, I'm not coming to fellowship again, I'm not saving. Mm-mm. I would submit to your will. My soul says yes. Says yes. Says yes. My soul says yes. <laughs> yes to your will. That's what I'm talking about. I didn't have to. I didn't have to even. You couldn't. I, I'm sure none of you could tell that I had that experience. I had that experience. And I didn't doubt God. I didn't doubt God. I was fine. I was calm. The next day, it pained me. Oh, ah, it pained me. Mm-hmm. But the next day, I was, I was fine. 
It's like, God, just tell me what you are. See, just tell me what you're saying. If he's to stay in Nigeria, I will stay and preach. We have members. Some of you don't know, it's, it's, it's easier for me to have stayed in Nigeria than to come here. It was more of a temptation to stay than even to come because we have all of you in Nigeria. I could just gather all of you and say, let's start church, we are fine. But now I'm coming to a different city to start afresh. I don't know anybody. I'm meeting a whole set of people. And then in, in it's sad. I wore, I believe in God one day and a young lady saw me and she was like, hey, I love your sweater. She was mocking me. <laughs> she was mocking me. So you have to understand that priorities have shifted from just what I want to do to what would God have me do? I quit the job. Visa didn't come. <laughs> and then I applied and I got another job that was paying me double after it. And then even after, those ones too did not now pay my salary after one month. I'm like, God, why? What did I do wrong? But in the end, it made sense to me. Why? Many of us, when God is leading us, want to be able to see where we are going. But God's idea of leadership is, even if you are blindfolded, just follow me, I would lead you. And then in the end, when I remove your eyes, you will see where I'm taking you to. When I remove the blindfold, you see where I'm taking you to. Do you get what I'm saying? Never be desperate for anything. Boyfriend, wife, I never said boyfriend, <laughs> husband, <laughs> children, money. Don't be desperate. Your satisfaction is somewhere else. There are some jobs you cannot take as a believer. You know that. No matter how, you should not be desperate for money that you take jobs that would, would be contradictory to your faith. Are you with me? This is important. Never, never take jobs that would contradict your faith. No matter what it is, don't be that desperate. It's maturity in God that I'm not desperate for money. Listen, I wasn't getting paid for all that period, but God took care of me. Do you understand what I'm saying? God took care of me. Hallelujah. Never be desperate for anything. Don't let things move you. Money? Just be satisfied in God. Make God your priority. That's when we understand that there is delight in God. You are delighted in God. Christians are not people who... Who lose investment and you just run mad and you're running everywhere. I'm dead, I'm dead. We have things that are more important than that. So invest if it does not work out. Do you get what I'm saying? Don't lose yourself over things that are... There are more things that should command your desires. Invest and make money. When you make the money, we know where all our, all our heart is. We know where our treasure is. That's why we say put our, we put our money, we, we put our money where our heart is, where our treasure is. And for us, our treasure is in the kingdom. Your happiness is not dependent on things in this world, but on someone eternal that has no variableness, no shadow of turning. He remains the same. He remains the same. Why are you sad today? That's just how I am. That's not just how you are. He remains the same. Don't be pushed into anxiety. Don't be pushed into pressure. Remain consistent in the word of God and in fellowship. Nothing should sweep you to anxiety. 
Sometimes some people, when I call you to check up on you, why didn't you come for fellowship? All of the things you do, it's just because I have to support you that I say, oh, that's fine. Thank God, you know, all right. Sometimes I don't understand it because those things are not things that should move you. Why didn't you come for fellowship? You know, I just, I was just thinking. And then when you tell me the list of the things, I check which of these things should move you. Don't let things move you. To that place some me there are few things that can make me cry god number one you know god number one <laughs> i remember in my undergraduate funny enough myself and see me have had a very long journey my undergrad i was going for one vigil i was in front of pioneer church and then i knelt down <laughs> i started crying i said and she was like what's wrong with you i said god just use me god use me <laughs> When I think about it, it sounds funny. But that's what can move me. That's where you, that's how you know what my desire is. I'll read a few Psalms as we begin to round up because of our time. Psalm 64 verse 4. It says, Blessed is the man whom thou choosest. It says, And causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. It says, We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Psalm 90 verse 14, it says, Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our day. We would rejoice and be glad all our day. The Bible says we are complete in him, which is the head of, of what? All principality and power. We are complete in him. We don't look like we are lacking anything. We are complete in him. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, it says, take it and beware of covetousness. It says, for a man's life consisted not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. So as you understand the gospel, material things begin to lose value to you. You focus on things that are more eternal. You might be Zacchaeus, very rich, and you hear that Jesus is coming. You climb a tree to see him. That's priority. The gospel changes your value system. You value fellowship with the saints. You value the word of God. You value your devotion. You value prayer time. That's an evidence of your salvation. From the things you value, I can know how much you understand the gospel. You put a premium on the things of God. You can sell things you have so that you can register and attend a Christian meeting. Then we know you are growing. We know where your delight is. Are you listening to me? Some of you, I can tell where your heart is now. It's simple. Some of you want, you, there's, a, there's, a, there's the type of alert you can receive on your phone now that will change everything. Once the alert should drop like this, boom, money. Some people, their character will change totally. They might not be able to see well. If you greet them on the road, uh, they will squint. When people squint, just... They know you, but they begin to squint. Money has dropped in the account. Boom. Let me give you one thing to think about. If all your desires are met now, what would you do? What would you do next? So your dream car is given to you. Your dream house is given to you. Everything you want is given to you. What would you do next? That's when you know people's priorities. Some people, after that, they will now gold plate all the things they have. Because there's nothing more to do. Gold plate the tire, gold plate the, the sink, the toilet, put gold on it. You, that's, that's the thing. It's empty. It's vanity. 
You gold plate your teeth. Why not remove your eye and put gold? <laughs> it's vanity. What next? Listen, don't let things take you away from God. You will have genuine reasons why you should not fellowship, why you should not pray, why you should not come to spiritual meetings. There will be genuine reasons. Let me tell you what, what I'm saying is that there will be good reasons. Do you know what I'm saying? There will be good reasons. Sleep is a good reason. You will have good reasons. But where your treasure is will show in how you prioritize. I will prioritize this over that. It will be good. But you must have a resolve that it will take heaven and earth. It will take something super. It will take something extreme to make me miss these meetings. Because my delight in God will be visible in all I do. Say, my life does not consist in the abundance of things that I possess. Can you say it wherever you are? My life does not consist in the abundance of things that I possess. And this is important. When your satisfaction is in God, you will not need to prove anything to anybody. There's something that the satisfaction of this world brings. It brings a type of ego to you that must not be found in a believer. How about those of you that have a call of God on your life? You have a call of God on your life, but no humility to learn. So you hold yourself with high esteem and then you stop honoring people. It must change. I'm giving you examples that some of you might fit in so you understand what, what to do. Do you understand? One of the ways the Bible teaches us that people are esteemed in the kingdom is by humility. It's by humility. We don't take titles on our head. I heard the story of somebody. <laughs> Student fellowship leader, they are calling you Papa. You now went to minister's meeting. <laughs> You're not dragging seats with my pastor. <laughs> Anyways, I'm not going to say more than that. 17 years old, they are calling you Papa already. We honor you too, but you say honor yourself. Are you with me? This is important. Very important. Your delight in God will change your heart towards certain things. You'll be the one to even yield and say, you know what, let me just be, let me just be calm. No need to drag some things. No need to drag some things. I will just be patient. I'll just skip some text because of our time. And I want us to just spend like a few minutes praying on everything we've said. I'm complete in Christ. That's, that has to be your, your confession. I'm complete in Christ. I'm satisfied. I place my priorities on God. His will, His word. What I have in Christ is a treasure. You honor all men because your delight is in God. If they are saved, then honor them. You know what I'm saying? There's some of you I call you man of God. I call you woman of God because you are it's honor. You have something of value. You have something that is a treasure. The gospel. That's our yardstick. It's so important. I value it. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why you never see us call someone who is a pastor by name anyhow. We honor them because they have something important. I want you to spend some time praying now. We're going to pray. That Father, I delight in you. I delight in your word. I delight in all that has to do with you. I'm satisfied with you. It is evident. Can you begin to pray wherever you are? Father, it's evident. I delight in your words. I delight in the Lord Jesus.